Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. It's 105 in Edmonton. We're at Rogers Place where tonight the Edmonton Oilers take on the Boston Bruins. Stuart Skinner gets the call in between the pipes for the Oilers. Jeremy Swayman went last night for Boston in Vancouver. Good to see Linus Olmark. Skinner, by the way, 2-4 and four this year, a 2.70 goals against average and a 9.21 save percentage. It's actually played pretty well other than the game in Seattle. I think he'd like a better performance. And uh, with Mike Smith closing in on a potential return here in the next week to 10 days, we hope. Um, who knows uh, with Stuart Skinner as to how many more starts he gets. I mean, once Smith's healthy, Stuart's going to be back in the American Hockey League, but he certainly has opened up some eyes with his performances so far this year. Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. We'll tell you that guests on the show receive gift certificates to Japanese Village, open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the legendary Wagyu steak cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now online at jbedmonton.ca. In this hour... Uh, TSN, uh, the most plugged-in man in the business until his semi-retirement. TSN's Bob McKenzie. He's got Bobby Margarita out. He's also at the World Junior Camp where four members of the Edmonton Oil Kings are expected to be on Team Canada. Well, let's face it, two are on for sure. We know that. Goaltender Sebastian Kosa, first-rounder Detroit. Uh, Caden Gooley, first-rounder Montreal Canadiens, returning to the team after playing on the team last year. Jake Neighbors, first-rounder St. Louis, almost a lock. Satan, too, with uh, Dylan Gunther, strong possibility. Ninth overall pick, Arizona. Uh, Oil Kings team's loaded. They're going to miss those guys here over the next a little while. All right, off to the River Cree Resort and Casino hotline. River Cree Resort and Casino excitement. Bet on it now open 24-7. And we are pleased to bring back to the show one of the understated sporting personalities in the Boston market, which is a great U.S. Uh, city, but a city that has forever loved having uh, homers support their respective team. And someone, oh, this show's not going to the dogs yet. Maybe it is, but uh, we welcome back to the show uh, Joe Haggerty. Joe, how you doing? Hey, Bob, what's going on? How are you? Good. Uh, what's the name of your dog? Uh, we got uh, Looch and we got Gracie Bell. Did you say Looch is the name of your dog? Yep, that was my my wife picked for one of my black labs. It's a great name for a dog and a hockey player. 
<laughs> that's that's hilarious. He's got a dog named. Well, that's, that's what it's all about. All right. So uh, tell me, without Milan Lucic and Zidane Ojara there, are these the same Boston Bruins that were, you know, a squad that won the Stanley Cup? Uh, which many people in Alberta were cheering for because they didn't want to see Vancouver win back in 2011, and they went to the final in 2019. But are they a different Bruins team now maybe than in the past? No, most definitely. I mean, I think the window is uh, pretty much shut at this point. Uh, you know, I, their best last chance to win was uh, in 2019 against the St. Uh, Louis Blues in the Stanley Cup Finals, and they blew it in Game 7. So... You know, a lot of changes since then, uh, a lot of turnover. I mean, really, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron on that team right now are really the only holdovers uh, from that era now. Everybody else is gone. So, but, but I think what you've seen in the last two seasons with the subtraction of Tory Krug, the subtraction of Zidane Ochara, the subtraction of David Krejci, which I think has been a massive one for the Bruins, and a subtraction of Tuka Rask, and also Kevin Miller. Uh, I think he's a very uh, underrated key part uh, that brought that menacing, intimidating presence to the Bruins' back end. They've subtracted all these players, and they spent a lot uh, in the first day of free agency, brought in other players that have not replaced these players. So they've, they've lost significant talent from their roster. I don't think they've replaced that talent with like talent. And they're starting to struggle now. And I think that's what you're starting to see is a, a team that doesn't have the same identity, a team that is very dependent on their top line and their power play uh, to do a lot of the work for them, uh, to rely a lot on Charlie McAvoy to do a lot of the heavy lifting on the back end. Uh, and aside from that, they, they do not have much going on that's going to beat other teams right now. And uh, that, that, that makes them a shell of their former selves. We're joined right now by Joe Haggerty. Joe, we'd be remiss uh, for years. You were, uh, you know, work, working on uh, the the Bruins broadcast. You're you've got a new entity out right now. So why don't you give it a plug right now as to uh, who you're writing for these days? Oh, thanks, Bob. I appreciate that. I'm writing for Boston Hockey Now. You can find it at bostonhockeynow.com. Uh, we cover the day-to-day activities uh, of the Bruins, uh, just like I've always done. Uh, we travel to a few games a month. And I think provide wall-to-wall coverage for Boston Bruins fans. I also personally, I'm writing for uh, a Facebook Bulletin, which is a new platform for Facebook, where I do uh, all stories across the NHL, uh, do national stories. I know Oilers fans would be really happy about the story I wrote a few weeks ago about how uh, there's a certain set of rules uh, for Connor McDavid as far as penalty calls go that don't go, <laughs> that seem to be treating him differently than everybody else in, in a bad way as far as not calling infractions uh, against him. So. I think uh, Oilers fans would probably want to check out that uh, as well. And you can Google uh, Joe Haggerty Facebook Bulletin and you'll be able to find it. Well, you were in the building back on November 11th when we were in there, and there was two sequences during the course like game, uh, one involving, I believe, Brandon Carlo, where uh, he corkscrewed McDavid as McDavid came down the ice and knocked him to the and I, you know, And I, I told uh, Jack Edwards before the game, you know, McDavid didn't hadn't drawn a power play in his last ten playoff games. The final two games against Anaheim in Game Six and Game Seven of the playoff series in 2017, the four games of the play-in series against Chicago, and then the four games in the playoff series against uh, the Winnipeg Jets. And every time I bring it up, 
we have, look, 80% of the listeners at Texas, Joe, are on board with it. They see it too. And then the other 20%, they hate the Oilers or they hate me. I, I do have a lot of members <laughs> of my family that hate me. But hey, stop or quit your whining. But I, I'm not a guy that believes that elite star players should have to play. Th- oh, they just got to play through it. And I think we have some people, and I think they're actually Canadian. I think we have some people yeah. in the league office that are kind of old school and feel that's maybe they're from Peterborough that kind of feel that way. And I have a little bit. To- Hey, and every other like you're the guy that's in New England watching Tom Brady. There's a reason why he's played as long as he has in the NFL because the rules from the 1980s, when in early 90s when Troy Aikman would get lit up and suffer multiple concussions, those rules prohibit that type of play against quarterbacks in the league. They protect stars. You know where I'm going here, Joe? Of course. I also think, Bob, that there's also, because Connor McDavid is so much faster than everybody else and so much better than everybody else, it seems like they allow more to happen to him than other players around the league because they want to give other, you know, other teams a chance to try to slow him down uh, when otherwise they wouldn't be able to. It's like he's held to a different standard because he's so much faster uh, and better than, than just about everybody else in the league where that's not the point of the rules. The rules is if it's an infraction, you call it. I don't care how fast or skilled the guy is. And, you know, as you said, when, he, when Connor McDavid has the puck that much, when he's challenging defenses, going to the net that much, doing all the things that he does, and he's not drawing any penalties whatsoever, I think that's an officiating problem, and that's a perception problem as far as how they view McDavid uh, and the defenders against him that, that needs to change. You know, I, I don't think the defenses uh, should be helped out by the officials when it comes to trying to shut down Connor McDavid. So basically what I wrote was there shouldn't be any Connor McDavid rules where he's treated differently than every other player where it seems like he is. Just treat him like everybody else. I'm not even asking for or saying give him special treatment, give him, you know, the Mario Lemieux complaining about the officials all the time and looking at everything under a microscope. I'm saying just treat them like everybody else who, when they get hooked, tripped, uh, slashed, you know, uh, and everything held, everything else, call it just like you would with everybody else. But I, look, this is, this is a problem across the league. There was a horrendous call last night in the Bruins Canucks game where Nick Foligno, uh, did nothing to Connor Garland. They were just talking to each other as they were going up the ice and he got an unsportsmanlike conduct for it. And, and you know, I, I had people reaching out to me afterwards saying, what the hell is that ref thinking? And I, I think this is a league-wide problem where the official and the quality of officiating has gone down regardless of what the NHL says about it and tries to say it's exactly the same as it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. I don't think so. I think it's worse now. Yeah. Uh, well, and some would say not a tremendous amount of accountability. And, uh, you know, the officials aren't accountable. You, you don't get to interview the ref after the game. Yep. And, you know, what was going through your mind is, you know, the guy sat there and got hooked and then corkscrewed as he's trying to hop inside a guy. All right, let's that's, that's circle back to Boston here for a second. We, we, we did have Louis DeBrusque on the show. We're not going to yep. talk about Jake's situation with Louis. That's just way too brutal of a situation to put a guy in when you're talking about your yep. kid. Uh, I have my yep. own perceptions. They're probably a little bit different than yours. But give me yep. your, you know, your perspective as to what has gone on that has resulted in a what has probably been multiple trade requests uh, for Jake in Boston. Yeah, I mean, look, I would guess, and Jake has never said this, um, but I would just guess that at this point he feels like he's not getting uh, the chances that he deserves or the leash that he deserves or has earned from the coaching staff, and maybe there are philosophical differences between you know, the, the, the coaching staff and the player as far as what his role. And I, I, there was a long discussion, I think, between Bruce Cassidy and Jake DeBrusque over the summer to try to get on the same page, the both of them. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, we see this sometimes with players, right, where certain players flourish under coaches, other players not so much. And I think that probably is, is a big factor in the entire situation um, from, from Jake's end, I'm sure, or I'm guessing, but I, I would think that's what's, you know, part of the issue here. Um, from the Bruins' end, though, like, DeBrusque, I, I feel like, and the Bruins have never said this to me, I've never heard this from anybody there, I think having watched the player, he's not the same player that he was the first couple of years in the league. And I think he doesn't uh, consistently go to the net as much or enough uh, like he used to. He doesn't play with the same level of energy uh, that he did at one point. Uh, Certainly he has not developed as a two-way player and and is not a factor uh, in the game aside from when he's shooting and scoring. And is not really developed in any any other facet. You know, he doesn't block shots. He doesn't finish off checks ever. He does a lot of flybys on the four check. You know, he's got great speed and he's got a great shot, but I think in a lot of other areas of, of his game, he's lacking most of the time. I think when the offense is going and when he's scored some goals, some of that stuff comes back. Uh, but I don't think it's there consistently like it needs to be, especially if you're going to play uh, a top six role uh, like Jabrusk head for a long time. You know, now he's getting to the point the last few years where there's been healthy scratches. He's been dropped to the third and fourth line at times. He's had to play off wing. You know, there's a lot of other stuff going on where, you know, maybe it's not always the ideal situation for him uh, to be at his best or to play at his best. But, you know, I, I think there was an expectation there that once he hit that 27 goal mark a couple of years into yep. the league, that he was going to be a 20 goal scorer every year. And he just has not been that. And, you know, for me, I think, and I, having watched him play from beginning to end in Boston, uh, he got hit, uh, cross-checked in the face, and dinged up pretty good by Nazem Kadri in the playoffs uh, a few years ago. Kadri got suspended and then ended up helping the, the Leafs lose that series. I don't know that Jake has played the same way since that happened, and I think it's understandable if there is a difference between before that and after that. I just don't think he's as tenacious a player anymore, and I think it's hurt his game. And, you know, maybe he gets in touch with that somewhere else. Maybe he just needs to hear, hear a different voice uh, to unlock his game. But I just don't think we've seen the, the same player the last few years. And, and a lot of what's happened to him, uh, he hasn't earned, um, you know, power play time, top six time, all this other stuff. And he, he has to do that before it's given to him. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because he played a central part two years in a row against Boston with Nazem Kadri. Kadri took himself out of both series. Uh, I, yep. I, I think Toronto, if he stays in either one of those two series, Boston doesn't win both series. I, 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 Nazem Kadri's a hell of a player when he's locked in and playing. Yep. And he's had success against Connor McDavid, too, which I have concern about when Edmonton plays Colorado because McDavid has owned Nathan McKinnon head-to-head. Um, circling back, uh, when I look at Boston, David Krejci's retirement, you've, the Bruins went out, they signed Taylor Hall, uh, They've got Jake DeBrusque, and then they brought in Felino. I mean, those guys are all – I know Felino's over on the right side right now, but those guys are all left wings for the majority of their career. Right. How much does this team miss Krejci? And is there – you know, is, is part of the challenge – because Taylor Hall's not kicking the uh, – he's not really rolling it either right now in Boston. No. It, nope. Like, they've got that top line, and then it seems like they've got nobody else. Is, is this part of this challenge a center issue? Is it – you know, or is that just too easy of a cop out? Do you think for specifically for no. Holland or Brusque? No, I think I think it's a big part uh, of the issue, and it's the part of the greater picture. Like I mentioned, they've lost a lot of really good talent over the last couple of years, and they haven't adequately replaced it. You know that 
they went into this year thinking uh, Charlie Coyle was going to be able to step into that number two center role. Uh, in his career, he's been a very good three center. There's no doubt about it. But there's only been one season in his career where he's hit 20 goals or 50 points. He's just not a consistent offensive player, not really a playmaker. You know, he's, he's a big, strong, fast player that uses that strength and that size and that speed to create things uh, with puck possession, with sometimes brute force. You know, he shows flashes of being a, a, a very good offensive player, but he just can't consistently put that together. And certainly he's not the type of center, I think, that's going to drive yeah. um, a second line, a first line, you know, a top six line. So, yeah, I, I think they big time uh, miss David Krejci because, uh, you know, I, Taylor Hall's not the same player he was last year playing with Krejci, playing this year with Coyle, and I think there's a direct correlation there. Now, on the other hand, Taylor Hall is getting paid $6 million a year. Taylor Hall's a former Hart Trophy um, winner. Uh, I think the expectation was that Taylor Hall from the left wing would be driving that line regardless of who was at center and that he would be a good enough player to do that. And he has not been up to that challenge. Like the best that he's looked, the most energetic, the most second effort, the most, you know, a lot of what we saw last year that we've seen was when he was playing in place of Brad Marchand uh, with Patrice Bergeron and David Pasternak at that left wing spot on the top line. And he looked different uh, in those games as far as speed, attack, just everything, aggressiveness, assertiveness, than he has when he's playing with Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith. And I think, you know, there were a lot of fans in Boston that were saying, well, now we've got to find a way to put Pasternak with Taylor Hall to get Taylor Hall going and keep those two together because they look so good on, on the wings opposite each other. And it's like, wait a minute, isn't Taylor Hall supposed to be good enough where he can be the focal point offensively of whatever line that he's on? And you shouldn't have to put people with him to get him going. Shouldn't he be getting himself going on his own? So I think there's a lot of that going on as far as uh, the second line goes and as far as Boston goes. But like from Taylor Hall's perspective, I'm sure he kind of thought or was hoping Krejci's going to be back. We have this dynamic center left wing combo. He's going to set me up. I'm going to score and it's going to be a really good spot for me. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's back to him really have to doing the heavy lifting on that line with a guy in uh, Craig Smith, who's a pretty good winger, but I think ideally would probably be a third line winger, but we'll play up on the second line. And certainly I think Coyle is a third line center. So he's playing with a couple of guys who he has to kind of help elevate and, and, you know, raise their games. And he's just not doing it right now. And the Bruins, it's very uh, simple terms. They are a one-dimensional team right now. They rely on the perfection line five-on-five. Five. They rely on their power play to score a lot of goals for them. And offensively, they are not getting anything or nearly enough from anybody else on that roster. And it's an indictment of the rest of the players, the secondary players like Hall and others, who are supposed to uh, provide that. And they're just not doing it right now. All right. Uh, let's circle back to DeBrusque here for a second because people are texting the show saying, come on, Stoffer, you got to ask Joe, what's the return on Jake? Uh, I think Boston's in a tough spot here, right? He needs to be qualified in the fours. He's a restricted free agent. Yep. He's represented by uh, Rick Bellette. Um, yep. That is going to, you know, I, I mean, I guess he could be trade. Put it this way, because he's made the trade request, it's not like he's going to take less in Boston to stay. He wants out of there. Right. And so I guess he could get moved to a team and then sign a short-term extension a sort of a prove it deal, but what are you hearing at all? Is there anything out there for Jake? And where are the Bruins? Are they are they steadfast? That, hey, we got to get you know something significant back. Uh, yeah, I think the Bruins are steadfast, and they need a piece that's going to help them now. And I think that's look. I, 
from everything I've, uh, I'm understanding and I know, uh, Don Sweeney is in, I believe, the last year of his deal right now, has not signed an extension. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure based on the, you know, the drafts that haven't panned out, based on a lot of the free agent signings that haven't panned out, based on this being, you know, uh, Patrice Bergeron's last year under contract and uh, nobody knows what he's going to do beyond this year. And based on the window closing for these great players that the Bruins have had, I think they're under the gun uh, to try to find somebody that's going to help them this year uh, in exchange for, for Jake DeBrusque. And, uh, you know, it could be, a center, it could be a defenseman, it could be a winger. I mean, like the they Bruins need help everywhere as far as NHL quality players, and I think you know they have a first round investment, uh, round pick investment in Jake DeBrusque, and I think they still value him. And I think it, it, whether it went public or not, I, I don't think that was going to force their hand to make a deal or to take pennies on the dollar for him uh, just because that happened. And I don't think that honestly, from what I gather talking to Bruins people, I don't think they're in any rush to trade him. You know, I think they're only going to do it when they get what they feel like is, is uh, equal value and return back. And I think that's somebody that's going to help their team uh, this year and moving forward. And until they get that, they're not going to make that deal. And I, I don't think anything's particularly close right now. I, I heard rumors that they were talking to Anaheim and that Sporl was involved as well. And that, uh, that went up in smoke once Sporl got hurt uh, a, a week or two ago. So, you know, maybe that gets rekindled. Um, and I think there were some interesting names. Manson was one of them uh, with Anaheim that I had heard was involved. And that was a guy that certainly the Bruins could use. Pending UFA. Uh, so I, I, Pending UFA. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yep, but he's a local guy. So I think he could probably be talked into sticking around with the Bruins. Right. Uh, but, it, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But I, I do think uh, they're looking to get somebody that's going to help them this year and beyond if they do trade DeBrusque. One final quick one for you, Joe. Off the top of your head. Who's been the best forward prospect that's been drafted and developed by Boston in the last eight years since 2014? There's a well, eight years. It's Pasternak um, from 2014. But, yes, for 2014. So let's go from 2015 on. Sorry, since okay. There's, there's only uh, one 20, guy. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's probably DeBrusque. It's probably uh, DeBrusque. You know, I can't think of anybody else because, like, and it's funny. Don Sweeney's getting criticized for trading away like young forwards and Bruce Cassidy is getting criticized for not developing uh, young yes. forwards. But yes. like, it, like, but look, uh, the, who, who, who did they trade elsewhere that uh, went gangbusters? You know, Ryan Donato certainly did not, you know, Dan Heinen scored a couple goals for the Penguins, but he certainly has not gone this year, but he has not gone crazy. Anders Bjork has not, you know, blown up in, in Buffalo. I, I think this is not a, coaching development issue i think this is a drafting development issue i just think don't think they're drafting well enough and i think that's where the big problem lies uh with the boston bruins and i think that's why don sweeney's kind of under the microscope right now and that entire scouting staff because you know there's the infamous 2015 draft that jabrusk was a part of where they missed out on a ton of players that are well documented in that first round when they took zborl debrusque and zach Sinition with their uh, three yep. straight picks and I think there's been a lot of cases of them with Charlie McAvoy uh, being the exception where they've missed big time uh, on their, their top picks. Uro Vakanainen, uh, you know, there's a bunch of players like that that, uh, that look like they're going to be bust. Jack Stadnik is having a hard time busting through right now. Um, so I think this is as much, you know, you can say this is a problem with the Bruins coaching staff developing young players, but I think when you look at it, a lot of the talent that's there uh, doesn't translate 
um, into, you know, these being, being great players that are uh, being wasted by the Bruins coaching staff. I just don't think they're drafting good enough players. And, you know, Jake DeBrusque at the end of the day, I, I like Jake personally. I think he's a good kid. I think he's definitely got a great shot and good speed. But I've said from the very beginning, I think Jake DeBrusque is a third-line winger. I don't think he's a top-six player. I just don't. And, you know, that's, once again, they draft him in the first round, and I don't really think you envision – drafting third liners in the first round so you know that you can track that up to the Bruins you know not getting that one right either Joe great stuff appreciate the perspective thanks for uh, joining us here in Oilers now hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You got it, Bob. Take care, bud. You bet. 127 in Edmonton. We'll take a 30-second timeout. You're listening to Oilers now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. All right, let's get into the Oilers Now Prospect Report brought to you every Tuesday and Thursday by Scott Arthur Millwork, custom cabinetry, luxury closets, exceptional millwork. Visit scottarthurmillwork.com today, and here's Brendan Escott. Well, again, the uh, Western Hockey League Bantam draft went today, and with the 19th overall selection, the Edmonton Oil Kings went with, uh, they went to Winnipeg, and they selected a left shot forward named uh, Gavin Hodnett. He plays at the Rink Academy. He's got 30 points in 20 games this season. Looks a little undersized, but so does everybody at 15 years old. So that's kind of tough to assess. I'd say so. All right, good stuff. Let's head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with... uh, one of the most plugged-in men in the business, like forever. Bobby Margarita, Bob McKenzie, when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.